Okay, hi everybody. I am a little bit more old school, so I have actual paper. <laughs> I know most people like travel around with, hi, um, with their like tablets and whatever. So, um, hello. Um, like like uh, she said, I am Christina Stanley, and I'm used to speaking to teens or children, so bear with me. <laughs> Grown-ups, people still a little are intimidating. <laughs> I'm used to calling it big church and kids' church. Like, that's how I live. So, um, But it's really nice to see you all, and thank you so much for having me here. Um, a little bit of our family history with this church is my father-in-law got saved here. Um, so my husband's dad found Jesus at an AA meeting in this very church. So thank you. Um, Without that, I don't think Chris would have gotten saved and we would have never met. <laughs> so thank you so much. Okay, so I know that you're all going to be launching into something about the armor of God. And I asked Pastor Joey if he wanted me to stay on that topic or not. And he said I didn't have to, so I didn't. Um, you are going to be hearing a lot about that in the next you know, month or so. And so I thought, mm, how about something different? Is that okay? <laughs> okay. So the title tonight is The Sorority of Faith. And I don't know how many of you went to college and were in, like, actual sorority. I did not. I went to ministry school. So um, that was not a thing for me. But I always find them so fascinating. And so I was like, ooh, this is fun because it's sisterhood. It's, you know, a bunch of different gals all together. So this is what we're going to talk about tonight. Okay. Okay, so first of all, I want to just start with um, why I think sisterhood matters. And here is the, the whole thing. Like, you guys being here, this matters because, let's face it, we're the glue. We're the glue that holds all of society together. Men might think that they're the ones in charge, but we hang on to everything and we hold it all together, keep it from going crazy, right? Can I get an Amen. We hold relationships together. We hold families together. We hold each other together. We are called to be for each other and to fight for each other, not against each other. And I believe with all my soul that as a woman, we are called to love even more than men do. Okay, so we're going to start out by looking at Ruth, chapter 1. And it's a little bit of a long chunk, so bear with me. I'm going to read it to you from the ESV. It says this. Then she rose with her daughters-in-law to return to the country of Moab, for she had heard in the fields of Moab that the Lord had visited his people and given them food. So she set out from the place where she was with her two daughters-in-law. And they went on the way to return to the land of Judah. But Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, Go, return, each of you to your mother's house. May the Lord deal kindly with you as you have dealt with the dead and with me. The Lord grant that you may find rest, each of you, in the house of her husband. Then she kissed them, and they lifted up their voices, and they wept. And they said to her, No, we will return with you to your people. But Naomi said, Turn back, my daughters. Why will you go with me? Have I yet sons in my womb that they may become your husbands? Turn back, my daughters. 
Go your way, for I am too old to have a husband. If I should say I have hope, even if I should have a husband this very night and should bear us sons, would you therefore wait until they were grown? Would you refrain from marrying? No, my daughters, for it is exceedingly bitter for me, for your sake, that the hand of the Lord has gone out against me. Then they lifted up their voices and they wept again. And Orpah kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth clung to her. And she said, See, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and to her gods. Return after your sister-in-law. But Ruth said, Do not urge me to leave you or to return from following you. For where you go, I will go. Where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. May the Lord do ever so much more, also, if anything but death parts me from you. And when Naomi saw that she was determined to go with her, she said no more. See, we see in this chapter that Ruth is living at this glue situation out. She is stuck to Naomi. She's not going to let Naomi walk the dark path on her own, is she? She was committed to staying with her, despite how difficult that journey was going to be. No matter that she left behind everything she knew, her family, her friends, her country, her culture, everything she knew was left behind. And she went into an uncertain future. There was a deep commitment to remain together on the path ahead. And that's why sisterhood matters. So we know why it matters, but what does it actually mean? Like being a real sister in Christ or being a sister of faith? Well, first it means standing shoulder to shoulder. Standing shoulder to shoulder is when we, as an army of women, stand together and reduce the gaps in the wall where the enemy comes in. This is unity in our sorority. So if we look again at Naomi's and Ruth's story, and you read through, if you have time later, it's a really good read. Read through uh, chapter one and two. You'll see that Ruth determined to follow Naomi as a loyal sister in unity during the good times and the bad times. The good times when they were all married and they had their family. And the bad times when they buried their husbands one by one. And then Ruth followed her to a homeland that she didn't know. She left everything. Ruth chapter 2 verse 11 through 12 says this, But Boaz answered her, All you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband has been fully told to me, and how you left your father and your mother in your native land and came to a people that you did not know before. The Lord repay you for what you have done. And a full reward be given to you by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have taken refuge. See, unity doesn't happen all of a sudden when times are good. It doesn't just happen when we're happy or content or well-fed. It doesn't happen when life is nice and things are well. Unity is a determination that goes way deeper than that. It's more than feelings It is a commitment. It is a choice that we're going to stick together when times are good and everything's going well and when it's not so good, when we're burying people we love and we're looking at the future with uncertain eyes. 
See, friends and sisters, and many of you will know this. <laughs> I know I do from personal experience. They're going to let you down, aren't they? They're going to misunderstand you. You're going to misunderstand them. They're going to misrepresent you or misrepresent, you know, your words to someone else and talk about you. Nobody in here has ever done that, I know. But <laughs> we have to make that commitment to be unified no matter what. We need to stick together and choose to walk with them anyway. Being united in the fight, united in the journey, and united in a supernatural and powerful love of Jesus that is surpassed by none. Sorority of faith also means standing back to back, having each other's back when the arrows of the enemy fly in. So when somebody says they've got your back or they have your six, it, it means that they're looking out for your blind spot because I am not an owl and I cannot see behind me. So like I need somebody to check out what's going on back there and that's what sisters are for. I have had a lot of blind spots in my life. A lot. A lot. <laughs> and I, it has taken the kindness and the love of someone to point them out to me, right? Because you don't know your own blind spots. You're not aware of them. So we need sisters who is someone that will bring you truth, but do so in love. To bring truth to someone, you have to have a relational bridge that can sustain, right, that's strong enough to hold that loving truth. You can't just walk up to somebody you just met and be like, that outfit is not good. You're looking like you belong on a corner. You can't do that, right? That's not right. <laughs> That's not right. <laughs> we don't do that. You have to know them. You have to love them. There has to be a relationship there for you to be able to bring to them something that Jesus is showing you that needs to be changed in them. So Mike Norton, who's an author, he says this. Never hold a resentment for a person who tells you what you need to hear. Count them among your truest, most caring, and valuable friends. But I like how Solomon says it in the book of Proverbs a little bit better. He says, an open rebuke is better than hidden love. Faithful are the wounds of a friend, but profuse are the kisses of an enemy. That makes me think of Judas every time I read that. Profuses are the kisses of an enemy. Asking a sister to tell you the truth in love is hard. No one wants to hear what they're bad at. No one. And if you're anything like me, you tell yourself what you're bad at every day, multiple times a day. <laughs> I have one of those really annoying inner critics, and it's hard to make it go be quiet. So having someone else pointed out to me can be a little bit um, difficult at times. But being willing and being open and being humble to hear those words are going to cause growth and maturity in Christ and your relationship with that person, unlike anything else will. So we need to be willing to hear those things with humility. If you are going to be the one delivering those loving words, there are a couple of things that I'd like for you to keep in mind when doing so. So you're not on the mean girls list. First is to pray first. 
pray first, pray often, and pray first again. Make sure that you are being led by God's spirit and not simply offering your opinion. However valid our opinions are, they are not always right. But God is always right. His word is always true. And if we can bring someone to that truth with love in our hearts and for for them, we want them to grow and them to be better with their best interest in mind, they'll hear it much, much easier than if we just don't ask God to come into that conversation and say the first thing that pops into our head. The second thing is be brief. (laughs) This is a thing, (laughs) y'all. Don't confuse the conversation with a lot of words for the truth to get lost in. Don't beat around the bush, all right? (laughs) That's not loving either because then they're not gonna know what you're talking about. But don't lecture and don't belabor the point. My husband is terrible at this, guys. Can I just be honest? He's not here, so don't tell him I said this. He, he is a wonderful man of God, and I love him dearly. But when he is trying to help me grow in an area, he is notorious for lecturing me. And guess what? I'm a firstborn. I don't want to hear what you have to say. I don't, especially if you're going to talk to me like I'm five. I am 40. I do not need a lecture. (laughs) Nobody wants that in their life, right? (laughs) So anyway, don't tell on me when he comes back. (laughs) The third theme is to be honest but loving. We need to choose our words very carefully. Proverbs 15, 1 says, A soft answer turns away wrath, but harsh words stir up anger. I'm sure you guys have all heard that verse a million times. But it's true. If you can say something nicely, then it's going to be heard a lot more clearly. Being honest does not mean you get to just say whatever you think. Being honest doesn't mean you get to just say, I'm just being real and hide behind the honesty thing. If it's just mean-spirited, it's just mean-spirited. Harsh words come when we don't take time to pray first, which is back to the first point. Okay, last thing I want to talk about what being in a sorority of faith means is standing face to face. This one might make me cry. So if I cry, I'm going to look at the floor. Don't be offended. It's because I'm trying really hard to hold it in. (laughs) Looking into the eyes of someone who is hurting and showing them God's love. So John 15, 13 tells us this. Greater love has no one than this, that he lays down his life for his friends. And so far, I mean, you are all still alive and sitting in these chairs, and I'm still alive up here. So God has not asked me to physically die for someone yet, right? God has not asked you to physically die for someone yet. But I believe that this passage speaks more um, about a emotional, more of a willingness than an actual physical death. Bear with me. Here's what I mean. God asks us in this passage to love somebody more than we love ourselves, to go out of our way more often than we would want to 
to be inconvenienced on more occasions than we want to. You want to put your feet up? It's been a long day. You want to take your shoes off or your bra off? Hallelujah. (laughs) And you can't do that because your sister calls you and she is crying and she needs someone. Do you forego your wants, your desire for rest? Or do you say, well, I'm busy? (laughs) That's dying to ourselves. And it's hard, but it's important. So what this looks like, at least for me most of the time, this looks like stopping what I'm doing and praying for the person that's on the other end of that phone sobbing. Even when I don't want to because I'm tired. Right? But the most powerful thing that we can do for our sisters in Christ, for our sorority, is to be with them in their hurt. Be willing to be uncomfortable and to be with them in their pain. And this is hard. None of us like to like be around people who are sad. <laughs> I mean, it's uncomfortable. We want to fix it. We want to hug them. We want them to feel better. We want to put a Band-Aid on it, give them a lollipop, and say it's going to be okay. Sometimes that helps. Sometimes we just have to be quiet and be. So... My grandma is Jewish, and that does not mean I am Jewish. She's a step-grandma. Just clear the air. <laughs> my, my grandma, when my grandfather died, had a time called Shiva, where people would come at, to her house and just sit and just be with her. They didn't speak. They didn't try to make her feel better. They just were. And they allowed her to just be. Sometimes she would cry. Sometimes she would be fine. But they were there for her for what she needed. Grief and pain and fear makes us uncomfortable. But the willing to just be with the hurting is so powerful. Jesus did it. The leper said to him, if you are willing. And Jesus says, I am willing. He's asking us to be willing to. Only Jesus can heal that deep soul hurt, but we get the pleasure and the privilege of holding their hand as they heal. Healing hurts, but we get to be that comfort. We get to be the arms of the Holy Spirit wrapped around our sister while she suffers. So how do we do this? How do we live and give life for our sisters? And how do we receive that as well? One, respond. Don't react. This is really hard for me um, because a lot of the times, like, whatever I'm thinking just kind of pops on my face or out of my mouth, and I have to be like, oh, shoot, sorry. (laughs) Um, I'm working on it. I'm going to counseling, actually, to help me with this because it's hard for me. It's really hard for me. So, Colossians 4, 6 says, Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. We need to bring Jesus into the conversations with your Christian friends and your your sisters in Christ and with your non-Christian friends, your 
fellow co-workers. Like, we need to bring Jesus along wherever we go. He should be with us everywhere we go, right? This little light of mine song I taught my kids when they were little, that's still true. Our light still does shine wherever we go. If you're having coffee or lunch with a friend, you just ask God beforehand, hey, I'm gonna hang out with this person, Lord. I'm on my way right now. And I'm praying in the car because I don't, you know, want to make sure that I have your words for her today. Hey, hey, Lord, I'm on my way to church. Is there anybody that is going to be at church that you want me to speak to, that you have a word of life for? Can I be that vessel for you today, Lord? So easy. Because guess what? God does have encouragement for them, and he loves to use us. It's so great. Number two, our words can make or break people. This is so, so true. And if you're a parent in the room, you know this probably even more than anyone else. Like, the things I say, to, especially to my sons, for some reason, seems to just crush them. If I am mean or harsh, like, they just wilt on the inside. And it's so sad because they're all bigger than me. So my 6'3", 16-year-old, I say something mean to him, and he is just like, and it just makes me feel like a jerk, and then I have to go and say I'm sorry. But Proverbs 15.4 says, a soothing tongue is a tree of life, and a perverse tongue crushes the spirit. Proverbs 18.21 says that death and life are in the power of the tongue, right? So we can speak life into people, and we can also steal it. Before you speak, think, ask yourself, what am I going to say that is life-giving or is what I am going to say life-depleting? Will it produce a blessing and an increase or is it going to give this person fear? Right? Not every story needs to be told. Not every detail needs to be divulged. And I have a funny story about that. My sister-in-law, I'm the oldest, so my sister-in-law is significantly younger than me and just has started having babies. And when she was pregnant with her first child, I decided that it was a good time to tell her about my birth story with my first child. I had a difficult first delivery, and I gave her that information. And then I walked away. And my brother called me. What did you say to Ashley? She is freaking out. And I'm like, oh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> so this is really true, you know? Like, you don't need to be an oversharer if it's going to frighten someone. We don't need to tell them, right? <laughs> like, we can be honest, and we can be transparent, and we can also be wise and not just say everything that, you know, we think about when a situation arises. Pregnant ladies don't like to hear your birth stories, note to self. Okay, the third thing is, like your mama used to say, if you don't have anything nice to say, exactly. <laughs> Proverbs is a good one. It says, those who guard their mouths and their tongues keep themselves from calamity. And this is so true. We keep ourselves in so, so, so much less trouble if we just zip it. I know that's true for me. I say things sometimes, and then I'm like, that was really, really, really stupid, Christina. 
Like, you had no reason to just say that, especially sometimes when I'm talking to Chris. And I just am like, well, you, and I didn't need to do that at all, at all. You would think after 18 years of marriage, I'd have this under control. I don't. There are times when we get things wrong. I've just admitted several of my shortcomings and we can joke about them and laugh about them, but they are things that I do need to work on and I'm still working on after being a Christian for 30 years. I've loved Jesus since I was a little, little girl and it's still hard. (laughs) And I just wanted to tell you, because that's okay. It's okay. You've been a Christian for five minutes or 50 years. Like we are on a journey. That's why we need each other. We're going along, right? We're going to go along on this walk, and we might as well take each other with us. Make sure we all get there. So if you get it wrong, like I do a lot, and stuff just tumbles out, and you find yourself regretting it, just make sure you don't beat yourself up. Extend yourself grace. Be someone whose words bless and not curse. Give life and not death. Build up and don't tear down. Have the courage to repent, as I often have to when I make a mistake, when you make a mistake. So like I said in the beginning, I believe in women. I believe that we lift each other up. Sometimes we don't lift each other up. Sometimes And I don't know, maybe you guys know, maybe you don't. Maybe you are blessed of the Lord and have never been around anybody, any women like this. But I have been around a lot of women who like to put others down. And it makes you like scared to be friends with girls. Anybody else have that experience? Just me. (laughs) This makes us weak as a group. We need to not look for others' faults. We need to not try and put others down to build ourselves up, but encourage each other and be a force to be reckoned with. So I'm going to ask the worship team if you'd go ahead and come back up. I believe that we are the glue. When we recognize why sisterhood matters, when we discover what it means to build a sorority of faith, And how then to walk out giving life to our sisters and we see our role more clearly, then we can enjoy the closeness of sisters that God had planned all along. His plan is good. His plan for you is good. His plan for this group is really good. I look forward to the testimony that is going to come out of this I was a skeptic of female friends. I had a really hard time with girls in school. They were just mean to me. (laughs) It's okay. But because of that, I went off into adult life thinking that female friendship was not for me. It took me until I was in college and almost out of college to really discover the value that God has in women friendships the need that we have in our souls for our true sister. And I don't know if that's you in this room tonight, but sisters of faith matter. I have fought in prayer 
for women who have been told that they can't have children and we have seen babies born multiple actually I'm thinking of like five or six right now I have fought in prayer for women who are suffering and in the throes of really deep depression and I have seen joy return I have fought in prayer for marriages on the edge of divorce and I have seen restoration I have had the privilege to fight in prayer for those whose faith was dying and seen Jesus resurrect that life once again. I have been able to fight in prayer with my sisters who wanted more from ministry or career and I've been able to see purpose and vision restored to these women. So would you all stand with me tonight? We're going to practice. Go ahead and close your eyes. I just want to ask you a couple questions and I want you to think about it. Who do you need to seek unity with? What I mean by that is have you hurt someone? Have you been the bearer of bad words or mean words? Maybe, maybe you neglected someone, but you hurt them. Or who do you need to forgive for hurting you? A lot of times we don't like to talk about it, but unity is essential to this sorority. For it to work, we need to be unified. Maybe you're, you are suffering with an insecurity. So what insecurity is holding you back from experiencing life-giving relationships with sisters of faith. Maybe you're like my high school life and it was hard for you to find lady friends that were real. Maybe you feel like you're not worthy of that kind of a friendship. Whatever that insecurity is, just think about that for right now. And last question is this. Maybe you're good. Maybe you're not insecure. Maybe you are unified with everybody else. But who is it that you can think of that you need to link arms with and fight for in prayer? Just want you to take a minute and just think about those questions. Ask God to show you. I believe that He will. for the hard part. We've thought about it. We've asked God to show us and now we got to do something about it. So I'm going to ask you if there's something in that list, any of the questions that I asked that you need to talk to God about and you need to do business with him about. If you would be brave enough to come up. Come up here and pray and we'll have some of our leaders pray with you.